Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen, and you are watching and listening to The Brett Keen Show. I hope you're all having a wonderful day out there. On Friday, 7 p.m. Central, I'm going to be doing a show with Kent Hovind, as well as my co-host, Lucifer. And, of course, they'll be discussing biology and evolution. On Thursday, I will most likely be doing a show with my Christian friend, TTOR. And the show will be broadcasted on Rumble, as well as YouTube. As always, my shows end up on the radio. So... If you missed it or you don't like the edited version on YouTube, you could watch the full version on my international radio station as well as Rumble. And, uh, yeah, so let's talk about some things, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that the worst thing that the devil did in the Bible, the number one worst thing that it claims that he did was he wanted to be like God. That's right. In the book of Isaiah, it speaks of him wanting to bring himself above God, be like God, and basically have power and the abilities and understanding the knowledge, all these things. Now, if you compare that with the definition of Christian, it's pretty fascinating. What does it mean to be a Christian, to be like God? be Christ-like, to one day be able to pass away and transition over to the afterlife and accumulate knowledge and information and wisdom and understanding from God, to be able to be more than that of a human, to transcend all these things. But isn't that kind of what the devil wanted to do? He wanted to be like God. And if Jesus is God, then technically he wanted to be Christ-like. He wanted to be the Christ, which is fascinating because as you read the story, the story of the Bible tells you that the devil will eventually make like a parody of Jesus Christ and come back as an antichrist, or his child will come back as an antichrist. It depends on which concept or belief or interpretation of Christians that you go with. Either Satan comes to the earth as a man or his son. That's if you're one of these people who believe in Nephilim and that demons and angels or demons were once angels and they can fornicate and actually create children and all this. Don't see why not. According to the Bible, a demon or angel can manifest itself or possess animals. It can possess humans. Um, and they can also breed according to the book of Genesis. Has anybody ever wondered when reading the book of Genesis why it is that this whole event even took place in the first place. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of Christians where you tell your version of the story and your interpretation. You say, ah, God created this beautiful paradise and humans were once perfect. The world at one point in time was not corrupted. So God goes and puts a corrupt tree right in the middle of a garden in front of his ignorant creations. And when I say ignorant, I say that ignorant means one doesn't know any better. And Adam and Eve didn't know any better. They were 
basically children in the sight of God. So, of course, God puts us tree and says, you can eat anything else you want, but don't eat of this particular tree. Well, not to be rough or anything, but if you put a gun or you put a bunch of drugs and a bunch of needles in a child's room with them and tell them, ah, you can play with everything else, but don't play with the loaded gun, um, you're kind of tempting them, right? You're kind of pointing out the thing. And as we know with children, the reason why most parents who are good parents, we don't usually put guns or things that will harm our children uh, right in the middle of the floor for them because we know well enough as a parent with our responsibility and, and actions that our kid is most likely going to get curious. That's what children do. They're going to want to do something. Well, to make matters worse, you claim that, uh, you know, all these terrible things are going to happen if they do eat from the tree. But the problem is, is that the kids don't understand it. Um, takes a while for children to be able to come to the understanding of what death even means. To tell a kid, ah, if you drink this poison over here, you're going to die. Well, kids can be like, die? What does that mean? What do you mean, Dad? What does it mean to be dead? I remember it took me till I was probably between 10 and 12 years old before I fully comprehended what death was. I had to see a few family members buried, and then I had to spend many months and years realizing, oh, shit. This person's not coming back. They're, they apparently went to sleep, and they're not ever going to wake up. It takes a while for a kid to work that out in their head. Hell, there's still adults out there who find death complicated and question it, and they're scared shitless over the idea, you know. Because we're all like children. We, we don't want to go to sleep before it's time, right? we got so many things we want to do, so many ideas. Well, to make matters worse, God doesn't just put a gun in the middle of the floor. Um, a dangerous object right there for them to see right in their observation. But this omnipresent God stands back while a talking, walking serpent, who most people represent as Satan, some people claim that it wasn't Satan, but it was Lilith, the first woman that ever existed. If you look in some of the books outside the Bible and the story of Enoch and um, some of the material that's in Judaism that the Catholics decided to remove out of the Old Testament, you would see that originally there was a woman named Lilith who was made right alongside um, Adam, not from his rib, but brought them basically out of the ground together. One of the reasons why you see these lesbian parades and festivals where they call themselves the Lilith Parade and such like that because they seen Lilith as an independent woman. Apparently, she didn't want to succumb or subdue and be the weaker vessel, and she challenged Adam, and she wanted to be greater than him. And did not understand why she had to take the white, the role of a woman or a wife. 
which the Bible's very traditional and classical about the different roles of a man and a woman. So God ends up banishing her, and uh, according to lore, she's the one that returns as a demon goddess type of entity and tricks Eve. You notice that the serpent went right after the woman in Genesis. You ever wonder why that is? Why did it go after the woman instead of the man first? Well, according to this, she was jealous, she was angry, and she wanted to make the woman pay. Eve was basically everything that she didn't want to be, that she hated, and she was punished for it. So some people believe that she is the reason for that. But let's go with the typical story that Christians believe, that God, omnipresent everywhere at all times, knows everything. Where was he during this surprise visit from the devil or the serpent? Hmm. Well, if we believe that God has all the major O's, omniscience, omnipresence, all-knowing, and all this, then God was aware before he even made the ignorant children and before he even put the tree in the garden that all of this was going to happen. The board was stacked against humanity before we even existed. The blackmail, cosmic blackmail, was already set in place before it could even be. Has anyone ever asked themselves, what would have the world been like had Adam and Eve not eaten from the tree? According to many Christians and their arguments, by eating from the tree, it opened up our eyes and we became like gods ourselves. This means that we were able to understand good and evil, wrong and right, and we were able to establish a moral framework, one, and number two, we were able to comprehend God in a different kind of way. And if we were not physically or mentally or emotionally or spiritually corrupt before, then that means that we were immortal because there was no death into the world before sin came into it. So by eating from the tree, from that day moving forward, we literally put a time limit on ourselves, right? We put a time limit on our lives. And according to the Bible, many lived to be almost a thousand years old. And then over time, as the environment changed, as the world changed, um, humans became more and more limited with their time. It started going down to a hundred years old at most. Hmm. A fascinating thing that I've noticed about the Bible as a Christian, and also I noticed this whenever I was a former atheist, I brought it up a couple times, but didn't really dwell into it too much, but it is something that we should all be thinking about and something we should scratch our head about, is if you were to get a notepad right now and draw a line down the middle, and you were to write God's name at the top and then Satan on the right and basically keep score of all the times God does something horrible to people, terrible, or even go so far as to killing, 
you'll see that the score is overwhelming on God's side whenever it comes to destruction. Um, what he calls wrath and judgment as opposed to the devil. Satan has maybe a few kills in the Bible. And we're strictly talking biblically. <clears throat> I'm not talking about any of the ancient religions who also have the lore of Satan or a devil in it. I'm speaking biblically. The devil kills rarely anybody. And if he does kill, this is another fascinating thing. In the book of Job, it actually makes it quite clear that the devil does not have the power or authority to kill anyone or harm anything unless God says so, unless God gives him the authority to do so. In the book of Job, God actually points at Job and says, have you thought about, you know, giving my boy down there some trouble? devil says, well, you put protection around him, you put a hedge around him, and you've made it to where I can't do anything, you know. And God says, well, I will take the protection off, and you can harm him and do all these things, but you cannot kill him. So, Satan goes down, he does his thing, and you know that it was an awful experience for Job. But keep in mind, the entire time, God is watching this whole scenario, and God is allowing it, and God actually gave full permission to Satan for him to do this. Uh, you can clearly, when you're reading the story, I'm going to repeat this one last time, Satan didn't even consider Job because God had protection on him. He said, I'm walking to and fro looking for things to destroy, looking for that which I can devour, but I don't mess with these people that serve you, God, because you are God and you put protection on them. I mean, they're literally talking like two guys in a bar, right? They're just chilling out. And they have that, that trading places movie moment where God says, well, go do whatever you want to him. And I can assure you that no matter what you do to him, Satan, he will not uh, go against me. Well, of course, God knows that because God knows everything. So it kind of makes you even question the whole deal, right? If God already knows that his servant Job is not going to do anything to uh, disappoint him or upset him, that Job is going to serve him 100% no matter what, if you already know this and you already know the future, then why would you send the bad guy <laughs> down to the world to harm this person? You know, you would suspect that if somebody's doing good, they're doing good works or they're serving God, that the last thing that God would want to do is test them. A lot of Christians say that, too. They say, ah, oh, when bad things happen in my life, it's because God's testing me. Why does God need to test you for? He already knows if you're going to break or not. He already knows that if he allows your child to die or someone you love to die, your husband or wife, that that might throttle you. He already knows that... If you're walking down the street and some drunk driver runs into your ass and makes you into a fucking vegetable, he already knows 
that your faith is going to quiver because of that, that you're going to question and you're going to be upset. You're going to be like, why? Why? I was on my way to church and I got hit by a fucking banana truck. Why did this happen? If God already knows, then why would you do it? It's like if you know that your child is a certain way and behaves certain ways and you have such a knowledge and understanding of your kid and you could predict what your kid would do in a certain environment or opportunity, then why would you do it for? Well, some Christians might argue, I suppose, maybe God wanted to prove a point to Satan. Go down there, Satan, kick kick this little man around and, you know, watch how he still serves me no matter what you do. Seems kind of mean, if you ask me. It's That's mean. <laughs> That'd be like a father telling a bully, oh, sure, go ahead, pick on my kid. Go ahead, beat him up. Three o'clock after school, sure, go ahead and kick the shit out of him in front of everybody. Let's make it public. So, yeah, the whole God needs to test us when he already knows is, I don't know, I never really liked that argument very much. It's not a very, doesn't really fit very well. But back to the whole killing and, and wickedness. There's plenty of verses in the Bible where God in the Old Testament as well as New Testament uh, warns you the devil will do this or the devil will come like a thief in the night and do these terrible things to you. And it's weird because when you read the New Testament, it says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. In the Old Testament, it describes Satan as being like a lion that is on the prowl looking for that which he's going to devour. But then if you go to Google and you type in Jesus Christ and the lion, Jesus Christ is represented as sometimes a lamb and sometimes he's represented as a lion. Do you find that weird? Every characteristic that Satan has in the Bible or what he's been called there's some kind of summary of Jesus having the same ordeal. Is it no wonder why <laughs> supposedly when the Antichrist comes, Christians will be deceived because they won't be able to know the difference between Jesus and the false Christ, right? He comes as a lion. He comes to devour. He comes to do this. He's like a thief in the night. The devil's described as that. Jesus Christ is described as the truth and the light. Well, Satan is the light bearer, right? I'm not saying they're the same thing. I'm not saying they're the same people and that God's pulling a veil over our head trying to play games with us or something or be mean. But when you really think about it, <laughs> there's not very many events in the Bible besides warnings from God where God says things like, Satan, get away from me, I never knew you, or not never knew you, but Satan, get away from me, or Satan will do this, and Satan will cause this trouble. It's God saying what Satan's going to do, but there's not very many verses where it actually says that Satan is presently doing something. 
We see verses where Satan actually takes over humans, like in Legion, right, with the pigs. But we also see passages in the Bible where God himself and angels actually take possession over a person and speaks to a donkey and some other kind of cool stuff. So, yeah. So I'm wondering, at what point in time does Satan go from being a sidekick of God, the right-hand man? That's another thing, too. Have you ever heard Christians say that, where they say Satan was God's right-hand angel? He was, like, the most powerful and the most beautiful and all that. And then when Jesus dies and ascends to heaven, where does it say Jesus goes? For those Trinity believers out there, it says, and Jesus went to the right hand of the Father. So Satan was originally God's right-hand man, and then Jesus. Again, I'm not making any accusation that Satan and Jesus are the same figure. It just It's kind of strange, kind of unusual how that works. One brings the light, and the other is the light bearer. One is supposed to, um, if we don't accept Jesus Christ, and we go to hell. And then, of course, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He's the guy who says, well, you didn't do this right, and you didn't do that, so you're screwed. So who actually is working that story, right? Who's the one that's actually getting us? Is it really like a courtroom where Satan's our prosecutor and Jesus is our lawyer, or is it the other way around? Something to think about. Oh, goodness. I may have a sip of coffee. Ah. Uh. So, can anybody tell me where in the Bible Satan kills anybody? Can you show me where he actually lies? Can you show me where he does something wrong? Because according to God, if Christians do what God tells them to do, then they will be considered righteous. We see in the book of Job that Satan is doing what God told him to do. Wouldn't that make Satan righteous if he's actually obeying God and doing as God tells him to do? And I'm going to remind you all one more time. Anytime Satan does do something in the Bible, it's like the same way with all the other angels. God tells them to do something and they do it. The angel of death in the book of Exodus. The angel of death comes down <clears throat> kills all the firstborn and that's at the command of God and the angel's simply doing what it's told to do. When angels bring messages or they go to Sodom and Gomorrah, it's because God told them to do it. The angels don't seem to have any autonomy. They can't do anything unless God tells them that they can. So if there's anybody out there who says things like or makes the claim that Satan attacks me daily or we don't fight, you know, physical wars, we fight a spiritual war. Well, the only way that can happen is if God allows it. God is the one who's in control, right? No weapons devised against you will harm you and all this stuff, right? Unless God allows it. <clears throat> 
unless he takes away your armor, unless he takes away your shield and sword or your spiritual weaponry. So what does it all mean? Am I trying to say that God's kind of bogus whenever it comes to this kind of stuff? The Bible does say, ask and you shall receive, knock and I shall open. It's okay to question. The preacher may tell you that it's not okay to ask questions like this, but the Bible actually encourages you to. It says you should question. In fact, if you want to have a wrestling match with God, the Bible says that's up, that's up for debate as well. You could actually wrestle God if you want to, but you better be careful. He might snap your hip on you. Yeah, God's a regular shamrock with WWE. So I challenge any Christian out there. As you know, I do live shows. You can either make a video where you don't engage me or interact with me. Maybe I'm too scary for you. Um, maybe I intimidate you, which I'm not trying to do. I would love to be able to engage you and interact with you and talk with you about these things. And I've asked some of these questions before in the past, and many of you have simply ran away from me. You didn't care about acknowledging me or giving me any answers. You simply figured, ah, I'll just pray about it, and I'll just wait for God to get around to answering the guy. Of course, when you think about it, you're not really serving God when you leave it all up to God, because according to First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it's your job to actually answer all questions asked of you about your faith. And if you ignore people, or you make up some kind of excuse that, ah, this person's not a good person, or this person doesn't look right, or they smell funny, then I'm not even going to bother with them. That's not the way Jesus did things, right? Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Jesus hung out with sinners. That's who Jesus came for. So if you're saying that you don't want to be around anybody that you think might be sick, well, you're not much of a healer, are you? You're more of a money changer. More of a Pharisee. And we can't have that. I wouldn't want to put you in that position. So either make a video to me or you can call me on the phone. There's that. Or engage me in a live show. You all have seen my live shows. You know I'm cool. You know I'm laid back. I'm respectful. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to gnaw on your bones or anything. I just want to hear what you think. And I want to hear and understand your interpretation and why you think that one way is this way, and the other way is that way. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I would say God bless you, but it depends on his mood.